Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Quad Shot, where we help you down and digest the day's most pertinent cancer news. It's December 14th, 2020. Welcome to The Quadcast. Let's dive in. First up, what are you waiting for? What is the ideal sequence of radiation and short-course androgen deprivation therapy for prostate cancer? Two randomized trials have asked this question, Ottawa 0101 and RTOG 9413. Both were suggestive, but not conclusive, that adjuvant AVT might be superior to neoadjuvant. Here we have publication of a patient-level meta-analysis of both trials. In the Ottawa trial, everyone had two months of ADT during radiation that was either preceded by or followed by four months of ADT. In RTOG 9413, one arm received two months neoadjuvant and two months concurrent ADT, while the other arm received four months adjuvant ADT. Of course, RTOG 9413 also had the question of prostate only or whole pelvic radiation. Over 1,000 patients were included in the meta-analysis, and after 15 years, there was a 10.8-month improvement in the restricted mean survival time for progression. The 15-year progression-free survival rate was also improved from 29 to 36%, as were the rates of biochemical failure and distant metastasis. There was no difference in overall survival or prostate cancer mortality. Lastly, there was no difference in treatment toxicity based on ADT sequence. The somewhat unique aspect of this question is that our choice of sequencing ADT with radiation has no impact on the duration of ADT. So unlike many therapeutic options we consider, this one changes nothing about the treatment delivered, simply the timing of administration. The bottom line is, ideally, radiation and androgen deprivation should begin simultaneously and ADT be continued adjuvantly as there is no difference in toxicity and potentially significant improvements in treatment outcomes. Thanks to Spratt, JCO, 2020. Up second, Haiku. Is there a benefit to perioperative aromatase inhibitor therapy for women with early stage hormone receptor positive breast cancer? Well, there are two parts to this question. First, does a perioperative aromatase inhibitor approach improve clinical outcomes? Well, given that these treatments are given for 5 to 10 years, you can probably guess the answer to that question. Another question is whether the response to a short course of perioperative aromatase inhibitors can be used to direct subsequent therapy. And you might be thinking, don't we use genomic classifiers for that? And Of course, the answer is yes, but as we learned recently, those tests can be heterogeneous in how they predict the benefit of adjuvant therapy, and some might argue that those tests are expensive and not universally available. POETIC was a large UK trial that randomized nearly 4,500 postmenopausal women with early-stage ER-positive breast cancer to standard therapy with or without a perioperative aromatase inhibitor. 
KS67 was used as a biomarker of proliferation and assessed before and after two weeks of perioperative aromatase inhibitor use. In this report of long-term outcomes, there was no difference in any clinical outcome with or without perioperative aromatase inhibitor therapy. From a prognostic standpoint, though, the change in KI67 with short-course perioperative aromatase inhibitor was associated with the risk of recurrence. At five years, recurrence risk was 4.3% for those with an initially low KI67, 8.4% for those with a high KI67 that transitioned to low after therapy, and 21.5% for those who had a high KI67 that remained high after the aromatase inhibitor use. Unfortunately, actual adjuvant systemic therapy was not dictated by response in this trial. The bottom line is, change in KI67 after a short course of perioperative aromatase inhibitors is prognostic of recurrence risk among postmenopausal women with hormone receptor positive breast cancer. Thanks to Smith, Lancet Oncology, 2020. Up next, to what extent? Should men with intermediate and high-risk prostate cancer have extended pelvic node dissection during radical prostatectomy? Analogous to the unending debate over pelvic nodal irradiation, urologists debate the benefit of extended pelvic lymph node dissection for intermediate and high-risk disease. Here is a single-center, randomized trial comparing biochemical recurrence-free survival for limited as compared to extended pelvic lymph node dissection in 300 men with intermediate and high-risk disease. Preoperative pelvic imaging was performed for patients with unfavorable intermediate and high-risk disease and had to be negative for clinically positive nodes. The limited pelvic lymph node dissection included bilateral obturator lymph node dissection, and the extended pelvic lymph node dissection included obturators, internal iliacs, external iliacs, common iliacs, and presacral lymph nodes. The median number of nodes dissected was 3 for limited pelvic lymph node dissection and 17 for extended pelvic lymph node dissection. In a similar fashion, the rate of nodal metastasis was significantly higher with the extended pelvic lymph node dissection taking the rate from 3.4 to 17%. And that's probably because, in addition to more lymph nodes, extended pelvic lymph node dissection samples regions like the internal iliac lymph nodes that have a higher frequency of positivity than the obturators. Despite significantly improved nodal staging, extended pelvic lymph node dissection did not improve median biochemical recurrence-free survival, nor any other clinical outcome. There did appear to be a benefit, though, among patients with grade group 3-plus disease. The bottom line is, among a broad group of patients with intermediate and high-risk prostate cancer, extended pelvic lymph node dissection detects more nodal metastases, but does not improve treatment outcomes. Thanks to Listingy, European Urology, 2020. Up next, deciphered. We've known for a while that deciphered genomic testing aids in prognostication of prostate cancers, but that doesn't mean 
insurance will cover it. A pooled analysis is here to provide sufficient evidence of its clinical utility. There were 42 studies with over 30,000 patients identified, and in 32 studies, Decipher was independently prognostic of every single endpoint, including overall survival. More importantly, when assessed in five studies, Decipher changed clinical management in at least one of four adjuvant settings and one of nine active surveillance settings. Finally, using Simon and AUA criteria for biomarkers, evidence levels for Decipher were grade 1 to 2 and AB, meaning the best and next to the best, across all diseases except high risk. The bottom line is, incorporating Decipher genomic testing into the workup for prostate cancer has a higher level of evidence than much of the other more standard testing. Thanks to Jareth, European Urology, 2020. Up next, what you can't see. This interesting case series demonstrates that interventions to disrupt the blood-brain barrier prior to chemotherapy are working, but with unintended consequences. Among 65 patients undergoing ophthalmologic exams following intra-arterial hypertonic mannitol intended to disrupt the tight junctions of vascular endothelial cells that form the blood-brain barrier prior to chemotherapy administration, half of these patients developed maculopathy in a manner that appeared dependent on the number of infusions received. Thanks to Simonette, JAMA Ophthalmology. 2020. Up next, immune checkpoint deficiency. This look, published in JAMA Network Open 2020 by Roos et al., evaluated 87 approved protocols assessing immune checkpoint inhibitors over the past five years and reveals that we've come a long way with regard to inclusion of populations with HIV when establishing safety and efficacy across countless indications for these new therapeutics. Up next, Hope Enhancing Therapies. Check out the link in the newsletter to a review on the science of hope, better known as the cure to 2020. Detailing the data-driven and sometimes quite simple interventions oncologists can undertake to elevate patients' hope, and thereby greatly enhance quality of life. Thanks to Corn, Lancet Oncology, 2020. Finally, e-resident. Machine learning algorithms have proven to auto-contour as well as expert contours when it comes to 13 to 15 tested standard structures in radiation treatment planning for head and neck and prostate cancers. The good news for med students looking to keep competition low for residency slots is that the bow wasn't assessed. Thanks to Octe, JAMA Network Open, 2020. This concludes today's episode of The Quad Shot. If you like what you've heard, please consider giving us a five-star rating and subscribing to our podcast. Also, 
check out our website at www.quadshotnews.com and subscribe to our newsletter. We'll catch you next time.